Show of the Conspiracy 420, episode 67. And today we're talking mummies. Yeah. Not like any mummy, but I mean mummies that walk at night. <laughs> walk but don't talk. Walk don't they just they just grunt to that. <laughs> so we did like a pretty interesting um series during the last year we did the religious thing and we talk about like the ancient pharaoh that they used to get um they used to they used to make them mummies yeah but you know the the idea of the mummy coming out of the you know the the tomb and walking around that's something that the egyptians never even considered no that was that us, was us that made that up okay so uh I'm going to talk about mummies. I'm going to talk about how to make a mummy. I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, what went into that and why. Okay. Um, but what's interesting. That was the way that they buried the people, right? To con- to consume, like, to keep them, like, uh, from preserved. getting bad, right? From, like, from decomposing. Decomposer, yeah, that's why they did it. Right, but they believed, I mean, there was deep religious beliefs into this. Because they believed in the afterlife, you know, you, you took everything with you. You know, the, the these people were buried with all their belongings and their, you know, even their money and, and jewelry. Even their servants. Yeah, and, and yeah, right. If they had slaves, the slaves were killed with them. <laughs> they believed they needed them in the afterlife. Yeah, it's fucking, it's crazy, crazy man. Shit. It's crazy. But, you know. The idea of the mummy that we know today all really comes out of the, the 1932 Boris Karloff movie. Okay, uh, the one that was directed by Carl Froond in 1932. Uh, it starred Boris Karloff, Zita Johan, David Manners, Edward Van Sloan, and Arthur Byron. And this was a Universal Pictures production. Uh, they had just done Frankenstein. They had just done Dracula. And they brought Boris Karloff back from Frankenstein to do The Mummy. Um, there would be a bunch of sequels with this. Uh, but the original Mummy from 32 was the one that Boris Karloff played the part. Yeah, that was a great. Oh, yeah. That was actually a great movie. Yeah. That's fantastic. Classic. It's classic. Now, basically, it's about we'll talk a little bit about the movies first. Um, it's, it's about archaeologists that discover an ancient Egyptian mummy named Imhotep. And he's yeah. brought back to life by using a magic scroll. Uh, just reading from the scroll brings him back to life. Now, Imhotep disguised himself as a modern-day Egyptian after he was brought back to life named Ardeth Bey. And he's looking for his lost love, who he believes was reincarnated into a modern girl. Okay, that's basically the plot. It's very simple. Okay, you know, he's just looking for his his wife. Who he believes is reincarnated now. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that's that's interesting with this movie. um, There's only one scene where Karloff is actually wearing the bandages. Okay. 
And that's something that, you know, you always think of mummies in bandages. Okay. But most of the movie, he's actually just kind of like a creepy looking guy wearing a fez cap. Yeah. (laughs) It's just all those images in your head of like the mummy walking around and the bandages. In that original film, there's only one scene where he's wearing bandages. Yeah, there really is. Like you, when you think about it, you know, and then your mind played so much that you thought he was a, he was in bandages the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Now the screenplay by John Balderston was uh, Balderston was a guy who did the script for the 1927 American stage version of Dracula that Lugosi ended up doing. We talked about it last yeah. week. Uh, it was also based on a story written by. Nina Wilcox Putnam and Richard Scheer. Now, originally, they kind of took something from a writer named Alessandro Cagliostro, who wrote a book about a very short story about a 3,000-year-old magician who survives all that time by injecting himself with uh, a special serum. Okay, And basically, Putnam and Scheer kind of changed this story around to help write the script for The Mummy. Um, the film was made also to kind of capitalize on the craze surrounding the discovery of King Tut's tomb about 10 years earlier. Yeah. Okay, now that was in 1922 that that was found. And uh, for e- even, even by 1932, it was still all the craze. Uh, I believe that the relics were probably... On a world tour, I, mean, I don't know if they had come to New York then. I don't think they came to New York until years and years later. But um, the relics of King Tut and the the legends behind it, uh, you know, supposedly it was like if you opened up that tomb, it it you know the people that did it would be would die because it was cursed. Okay, so this was well known. Okay, and and people kind of there was like a craze around that. And some people actually, it's interesting. I believe some people did die. Yeah, because I think because there was some stuff in there that I think some people really got sick. They got sick. Well, they, they yeah, I think what happens is when they open up these tombs, or at least back in the 20s and 30s when they were beginning to do that, um, there is kind of like uh, a fungus I read about that builds up and you can breathe it in. And it, it fucks you up. Ooh. Yeah. So after after this the, the success of this film in 1932, there were several sequels, but Karloff didn't reprise his role in any of them, okay? Uh, it took about eight years for sequels to come out, too. It wasn't until about 1940, I think, that the first one, The Mummy's Hand, and then there was The Mummy's yeah. Tomb, The Mummy's Ghost, the Mummy's Curse, and then the famous Abbott and Costello meet the Mummy. Who played the Mummy in that one? It might have been Lon Chaney Jr. I know he did a couple of them, uh, like the Mummy's Ghost and the Mummy's Tomb. It might have been Lon Chaney Jr. I'm not sure. That's a good question. He was a good actor, too. Yeah. Lon Chaney Jr. 
it was funny like the one with um Evan Costello was like a week like they they brought that all the well he's in he's in, uh, he's in that one Lon, Ch- um, Lon Chaney Jr. is in Abbott and Costello me Frankenstein he pl- he plays yeah. he plays the Wolfman in that <laughs> yeah. yeah that's always good now in the fifties there was a Brit- there's a British film company we're all familiar with called Hammer Films. They, they yeah. started a new Mummy series. I'm a big fan of, of this one. Um, it came out in 1959. It starts, stars Peter Cushing and also Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee is the mummy. All right. Christopher Lee's a fantastic yeah, actor. Yeah, he was great. Uh, what a presence, right? Uh, yeah. Its plot is kind of different, though. It's, it's a mix of kind of the mummy's hand and the mummy's tomb. It's not so much a, a remake of the first one with, with Karloff. Now, there would be Hammer follow-ups to this. Um, they had The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, The Mummy's Shroud, and Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. Okay, they were all classic Hammer films. Then you had, in 1999, you had the Universal Pictures came back and they made the, the remake of The Mummy with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Uh, the plot line was kind of different on that one. It wasn't exactly like the original. Uh, and that spawned two sequels, The Mummy Returns and The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And also, if you remember, there's prequels. And that was the Scorpion King movies with The Rock. Yeah, that was The Rock's first big major uh, major, major, major film release. Yeah, okay. And yeah. it really came out of the whole, you know, people, they liked the whole Egyptian thing. So they brought that into, the, into a prequel, you know. Um, yeah. Now, in 2012, Universal Pictures announced that they were going to reboot all of their original monster movies. They were going to do everything again. Okay. And they started with the and mummy. They started with the mummy, and it was a 2017 release by director Alex Kurtzman, and it starred Tom Cruise, and it bombed big time. Okay. In fact, I've never even seen this movie. Have you seen it? I seen the movie. It was pretty good because they had um they had um what's it called? They had um the gladiator was playing like Dr. Jekyll Hyde. They were introducing all the all the characters. Well, it, to, it was gonna be like a whole universal yeah, thing. But but the the, the 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 fact that this bomb killed that whole project. I think they're still trying to do it. I heard they pulled the plug. Yeah, they put a. They, they, there's so many rumors to pull the plug, and they're gonna try to read. They're gonna try to reboot it again and try to do it again, cause they just thought the movie came out at the wrong time. I guess. I, how is that movie with Tom Cruise? I. I it I, was. I, you know what? It was a very different he's kind a of movie. Or something, and he uncovers a. He, what, what happens? Yeah, he's like a soldier. He uncovers a mummy, and it's a. It's a female mummy this time. And the things just going around, like fucking fucking things up, and it's really good. And it it can take over people's body. It was really good, and it started. And then that movie they introduced, like the the, the first version of Jekyll and Hyde, right. and it was the guy from the Gladiator. What's his name? Um, damn, I got a brain uh, fart. Russell Crowe. Yeah, Russell Crowe is playing Doctor Jekyll. Almost. Oh, okay. I didn't even think. Uh, they got that far with it. I know that was supposed to be the next movie, but I didn't know they had to cast it. 
Yeah, they had, I think Russell Crowe was going to be Dr. Jekyll, and they're talking about the weird shit, and um, it was it was building up to, it could have been something good, and they were going to introduce the original fall. Yeah, now, I always liked the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, because the book is is off the hook, okay? It's, it's not, they've never really filmed it like the book. So if they do it like that, it, it'd be it'd be pretty crazy because it's it's nuts. Yeah, that's enough. That's a movie that I'm surprised people haven't done a lot more. Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, they've done it uh, probably about two or three times that I can think of. Uh, no, they've done it. But I mean, I'm surprised been a while. Like now with all the technology, you could do a really good yeah, one. It's been it's been quite a few decades since anybody touched that one. Cause he was in the, he was also in the movie The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, there was a Doctor Jekyll High on that. Yeah, every once in a while that pops up. That's cool. Now let me ask you, why do you think mummy movies generally do very well at the box office? What What do you think are the reasons for that? I think it's a fascination of the afterlife and these things coming back, and it's ancient Egypt, right. and it's just a whole, it's just a whole story of this. Uh, King looking for his bride and he comes back to life and you know it's just it's a whole, like being it's like immortal a, it's like a weird, yeah immortal but it's also the whole mystique of the mummy and the and you're right it's, it was all about King Tug's tool and all these mummies that were finding in the early you know back in the days and you know what people are fascinated by mummies you 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 can put a mummy special on on on, on sapphire or you can put it on the history and the ratings are great for stuff like that. Yeah. Now, even though real mummies have existed in different cultures worldwide, yeah, you know, mum, mum, mummy movies are always based around Egyptian themes, and that's yeah. probably because it's what people think of, right? Like that's the first thing you think yeah. of with mummies. Now, there's no proof, however, I mentioned this before, that Egypt ever believed that mummies would come back to life. They never, they never had that belief. So I think we kind of made that you know because of the, the the legends and the curses of opening a tomb like oh what would happen if the thing came back to life and tried to kill you because you opened its tomb you know i think that's that was the the idea of of these early movies and stories is that you know the mummy was going to get you you know so yeah because you interrupted their sleep exactly that's <laughs> kind of what you did okay um the preservation of the dead had a had a profound effect on the ancient Egyptians. All right, the, the mummification process was an important part of rituals that they had for the dead. And yeah, it began. Didn't that go back to like the Dead Dead Scrolls? Oh, it's mummy before that. Way before. Oh, it wasn't before yeah, that. Dead Sea Scrolls are old, but they're not as old as you know the mummification. Mummification. Um, they think goes back to the second dynasty in Egypt, wow. which is about 2800 BC. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and, <laughs> and there's some evidence that the process may have actually of doing mummies may have actually begun earlier, but they didn't have it perfected. Now, I can't wait for one day when we find like a mummy giant somewhere <laughs> in the U.S. A mummified giant. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Mummified, just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Egyptians saw the preservation of the body after death as an important step to a good afterlife. So, well, what, what happened, though, is as Egypt became more prosperous and powerful, 
its burial practices became a status symbol for the, you know, for the wealthy. Okay, so what would happen is there was kind of a hierarchy in the culture that led to the creation of these elaborate tombs and pyramids and also more elaborate methods of embalming or mummifying. So, dude, that was crazy how nice those places were. Like some of those tombs, they were were as good as palaces. (laughs) They're like brand new. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, they had ways of sealing things shut. I'm going to talk about that, too. Now, by the fourth dynasty, which was 2600 BC, Egyptian embalmers began to achieve true true mummification. They 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 perfected it, okay, and they perfected it through a process called evisceration. Now, evisceration is the removal of almost all of the organs through an incision made in the abdomen, and the organs were then placed in jaws and sometimes then entombed with the body afterwards. Sometimes they were even put back into the body, okay? But um, prior to the fourth dynasty, it's unclear exactly what methods were used to mummify a body. They've, they've found some things that, that were mummies that old, but they just don't know how they mummified them because they weren't eviscerated. They didn't take out the organs, so they don't really know on the really old ones how they did it. Now, descriptions of the embalming ritual have survived, okay? And they've survived on papyrus scrolls, though a lot of them are kind of incomplete. Now, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they found them in jars, you know, sealed clay jars, a papyrus inside. Now, most are shown in almost like images and drawings as opposed to hieroglyphics almost like a comic book, okay? Um, an important part of mummification, though, is, is dehydrating. So basically, if you dry out the body, it preserves better. Um, there was a Greek historian named Herodotus, okay? And he wrote something called Herodotus's Histories. And it detailed a description of the process where they used... Um, a natural product found in the soil called natrone, okay? And natrone, not patron, Rob, natrone, okay? <laughs> you get that? <laughs> <laughs> it's called natrone with an N, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, that went over your head for a second, then you got it, right? I know, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Now, natrone is like a natural baking soda. It has the properties of baking soda, okay? And it's found in the soil, and embalmers used to dry out the bodies in preparation for mummifying using this. They would put it in a natrone bath, basically, and it would dry out the body. Now, eviscerating... What- I wonder how long did that take? Was that like right away with it, like... The, whole, the, mummy, the this... whole mummy process could take about 40 days, sometimes. Holy shit. Yeah. All right. So this was, uh, yeah. It was, a, right. it was a long thing. Now, eviscerating would handle the removing of the organs in the body cavity. But what do you do about the brain? Okay. Now, Herodotus' book claimed that they used an iron rod with a hook 
inserted through the nose to remove the brain. Okay. But I have heard that. Yeah, but scientists dispute that because they said like that would just make a mess. It would be very difficult to get the brain out in pieces. How'd you do it? Okay. How'd they do that? So that was something. Now, one thing I got to mention, uh, the, the Egyptians didn't believe that the intelligence and your feelings and emotions were in your brain. They believed it to be in the heart. Okay. Mm. So taking out the brain didn't mean shit. Okay. It was just something they had to take out. Okay. They didn't think you need, you needed that in the afterworld. Now what they used to do sometimes is leave the heart in. I'll, I'll get into that. Now in 2008, Scientists did a CAT scan performed on a 2,400-year-old mummy, and it explained the process. They, they got lucky. It turned out there was a tool that was left in the cranial cavity where the brain was, and it was found on this CAT scan of this mummy. And the, the tool was made out of some kind of organic material. They weren't sure exactly what it was but it was organic maybe bone or something okay okay it it, what it did was it was left inside the the cavity and the brain they think like was liquefied and came out of the nose of the body that's what it is that's what i think they were doing liquefied yeah Yeah. they, they they would shove something up your nose into your brain that liquefied your brain maybe they had some kind of maybe it was almost like a straw maybe they had some kind of liquid in there that did something to the brain through the straw i don't know or maybe they just somehow dug it around and squished up squished it up inside that's disgusting yeah they they they, they would definitely do it cuz I, I the thing the brain coming out through the nose I always I always heard that I was like how the yeah, fuck Yeah yeah so the the brain would liquefy in this process and 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 they would use just gravity I guess by standing the body up and it would just all come out of the nose okay yeah wow. now in fact scientists even tried to replicate doing an Egyptian mummy um and they found that liquefying the brain and using gravity to let it drain out was the most efficient way. Okay. They, they, they tried doing it piece by piece with a, a hook and that didn't work. Okay. Wow. So, Hey, have you ever gone to the Brooklyn yes. Museum? Yes, I have. Yes. And they got like mum, they got like cats that were mummified. They're like look pretty well preserved. Yeah. That's how, how weird. Yeah. Is that? Now one of the early, uh, when when scientists or Egyptologists were were really starting to in, you know explore Egypt in the early 20th century, late 19th century, um, they found tombs of cats all over the place. Okay, they loved cats and they used to mummify them. You know. Yeah, that's that's fucking weird. They were doing the cats. They they, they worshipped them, I think. Right? Didn't they? Yeah, the cats were like some kind of weird. It was a. Like the Indian worshipped the cows, the, the Egyptian worshipped the cats. Yeah, and and they were they were they were pets, but they were revered almost as gods. Okay. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Now, when the organs were removed from the body, they would wash them, and with uh, 
with water, but also with spices and something called palm wine. Okay. Now the heart was always left intact. Okay. And they used to try to leave it in the body. Okay. Because they believe that the heart and not the brain was the seat of all thought and intelligence. Okay. And feelings and it should not be touched. Wow. Now after cleaning the body, it was dried out with the natrone inside and out. Okay. Uh, the internal organs were also dried out and either sealed in jaws or sometimes put back into the body in the, in the abdominal cavity. I've seen the thing with the jaw. They definitely have yeah. jaws for yeah, their they've, uh, they, body they, parts. They've, they've opened up jars and found livers and hearts, not hearts, so livers and brains and all kinds of shit. Okay. Now, the whole process, like I said, would take about 40 days to complete. After the dehydration, um, the mummy was wrapped in many layers of linen cloth. And what they would do is within the layers, the Egyptian priests would place these little amulets or charms, okay, in the, in the, in the linen, okay? And it was supposed to guard against evil spirits and evil Okay, so once it was completely wrapped up, the mummy was then coated with a resin to prevent it against the moist air. Now, that's I found that interesting because you think about Egypt. Right. It's in the desert. (laughs) How much moist air was there? But in those days, Egypt, Egypt was way more humid. The Nile was bigger and wider. So, you know, remember we were talking about the pyramids last year and um, yeah. I think the, the, the great pyramid where the Sphinx is, they, they, the, they said that the banks of the Nile used to come right up to it. And now it's like, now yeah. it's like miles away. You yeah. know, so in the, the environment was different in those days and they needed something to prevent the mummies from, from the humidity. Believe it or not, it was it was a lot more humid there. So they would also use this resin to uh, apply it to the coffin, or sometimes called the sarcophagus, in order in yep. order to seal it's it. Right, in order to seal it. So they would use this resin to seal the mummy in. Okay, so no air would get into the thing. And uh, once the mummy was placed inside, it was sealed up. Okay, and uh, sometimes it was put in with its worldly, you know, its owner's worldly goods, jewelry, statues, whatever they had. Okay, and it was believed that these things would help them in the afterlife. Now, one thing I found interesting is, you know, like today, the richer you are, (laughs) the better it is. Right. So, yeah, the, the richer you were in those days, the better the process you could afford. In other words, if you didn't have a lot of money, your mummy probably was going to be shit. (laughs) (laughs) But the more money you had, and God, if you were a pharaoh or something like that, you had the top best mummy makers in the country working for you. Mike, wasn't it like one of the Chinese emperor that got buried with his army? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, who was that? I but, forgot, but that was like almost like a weird form of mummification right. oh, but, too, but, right? But I'll, I'll get into that a little bit because environment. 
plays a lot to do with the making of a mummy. Okay. Now the, there's also Christian mummies. Okay. Yeah. Now some Christian saints, people that have been named saints have bodies that have not decomposed or only a tiny bit. Now, in the Catholic religion, there's something called incorruptibility. And it's it's kind of like believe that it, it, a person is so holy that they can't decompose. Now, there's some Catholic saints, uh, Catherine of Genoa. Um, there's one called Mary of Jesus de Leon y Delgado from Spain. And yeah. Francis Xavier, okay, have bodies perfectly preserved. And no one knows why or how, okay, how that's, that happened, okay? Um, but that's where they become saints, well, right? It, if it, like, it, if, it, it used to be. <clears throat> um, up until, I think, recently, one of the, one of the uh, prerequisites to being made a saint is if you were found that way, preserved, they believed that that, was, that made you a saint. I don't think that counts anymore. Because they know that certain environment can create that condition. I don't know. That's that's what they say, you know. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, some people, uh, like for instance, if the mummies can, if the mummy, if the person dies, and they die in a way that uh, it's in a place maybe that is like high in levels of salt, okay, or certain uh, dryness or areas where there's not much air, like at the bottom of a cave or in a mine, okay, where you might be digging for gold or something and you and, and yeah. you just died and they left you there, okay. Um, sometimes it can create what's called like a spontaneous mummy, all right, now, some mummies, but that's just from the air and the moisture and everything. Yeah, that's yeah, like, but but it, ha- weird. but it happens very quickly. They say, okay, and uh, mummies like have been found in China. They've been found in Russia. They've been found in other parts of Africa besides Egypt. They've been found in Iran, Iran, the Philippines, parts of Europe. Okay, and but all of these are kind of what what they call spontaneous mummies, and it's due to more like the environment where the body remained as to oppose of, uh, you know, making the mummy. The Egyptians were the only ones that we know of that actually, you know, deliberately and intricately created a mummy. It's fascinating. It's very fascinating. Now, you know, again, we found mummies all over the place, but usually it was due to a lack of air, or uh, a lot of salt in the ground would do that. If you think about it, salt makes sense because it dries you out. Yeah. Right? So it's probably just like that Natron that they would. Hey, let me ask you a question. You think the Incas had like mummies? Because they, um, they had pyramids they, and stuff I like that. I think they did. Uh, the Peruvian, uh, yeah, the Incas, the Aztecs. They, they found um, in, in, you know, North America and South America, they found mummies. They have, and they're based in that those cultures, you know. But wow. but they they, I don't believe these Native American cultures actually made them like the Egyptians did. 
I think they had their own different kind of procedures. Well, we don't know. Because as far as we know, the ancient Egyptians are the only ones that went through that whole process, that 40-day process. Uh, did the Aztecs or Incas do it? We've found mummies in their burial areas. Or, or sometimes if something was buried so quick, it would create a mummy too. Okay? It, depending on the environment, you know. All right. It sound, you know, you know what's funny, like um, a lot of time, like the Native uh, Native American and the Viking, you know what they do? They just burn them. They will uh, cremate the bodies. Well, the, the Viking funeral is well known because they they put you out on a ship and just burn the ship on the sea. That was that's a Viking. Funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking crazy. But I think Native America used to do that, too. They used to cremate yeah, the. Um, I believe they the Indian just to let the spirit go or whatever. They had another one. They were a weird one, too. They had some weird ritual with that, too. Yeah, I mean, and and it goes back to probably Central Asia, where they, they all came from, the Native Americans. You yeah. know, they, they, they traveled from the Central Asian area across the land bridge, which used to be the, which is the Aleutian Islands, but it's not a land bridge anymore. It's been broken up into different islands, but it used to be all one thing going across from Siberia all the way to Alaska. And then they, they wow. walked across and came down from Alaska down into into North America. And that's where the Native, yeah, Native but... Americans are. Now, did the, I think the I think they went further into South America, too. And that's how you get the uh, the Incas and the Aztecs. But, yeah, but, think about that. Think about how many miles and miles away these two are. And they got that same thing, pyramids, and they were doing mummy. Yeah, how were they communicating? I, I always, <laughs> yeah, they had to be because I think if I just had a theory and there's no proof, but like the Egyptians had to be in South America. They had to be there. Okay, because they they the, the the indians came down once they got into south america that's when you see them have pyramids yeah okay uh, they didn't really have pyramids in north america okay no but when they got to south america i think there might have been some kind of egyptian culture there or they came across <laughs> from africa at some point when they were there and started showing them shit you know? Could there have been guys that just got away because they couldn't take like the system there and they just moved to, let's go over here see what's going on. Well, well, remember when we were talking about the pyramids in Egypt last year um, on an earlier conspiracy? Um, there were those tales from Native Americans, I forget which tribe, but they were in Arizona and they had the, the, uh, the tales of the people that taught them shit like technology and how to like live when there's a great flood. It had to do with that episode with the Egyptian relics in the Grand Canyon. All right. Wow. And so maybe it wasn't even South. Maybe the Egyptians got further up. Maybe they, maybe they went through Mexico and into Arizona. Yeah, but it's definitely some weird shit. Definitely, with definitely. And you know, uh, and to have that procedure of mummy, think about it. Nobody's talking, but they all had that procedure of the mummies. Uh -huh. That's that's fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, somebody had to learn it. Yeah. So I don't know, but but only really ancient Egypt had it 
down to a science. You know, there were people, that's what they did for a living. Okay, they you, they they made mummies. Imagine that. Yeah, that that was the guy's job. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like a funeral director, right? Somebody that embossed. Yeah. But I think it was a, a, you know over forty days working on one body. Yeah, and it was like an art form the yeah. way they did it. Cause yeah. Yeah. You, you know they had to get everything ready, and they would take care of the body, and they were probably doing prayers at the same time as they were doing this. Yeah. Now I wonder what would happen if you if you put that in your will. That's what you wanted. <laughs> an old school Egyptian mummy. Make me into an old school Egyptian mummy. <laughs> I don't. Could they even? Could they even do it today? I, I guess they'd have to find somebody. You have to pay them very well. I'm sure. <laughs> well, if I if I hit the lotto, maybe I'll ask for that. <laughs> I want to be mummified. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. Actually, you heard, you know, the, the, the communist uh, leader, Lenin, right, from the Soviet Union. Yeah. Now, I think I read somewhere that, that they were going to make some kind of mummy out of him when he died. But, but, oh, no, but, they, but they ended up just embalming him. Like it, it, I don't know. I forget the whole story. If any of our listeners know, I think they were supposed to do something like to preserve him in a mummy kind of way, but they ended up, they just embalmed him. You can still see his body. It's in red square in, in Moscow. His body's been there for a hundred years. Well, it is, so they probably didn't buy him in him. Then. Right. But, but embalming and mummifying is two different things. Okay. It's, it's, it's different. Okay. There's chemicals involved with that. And then mummy is like a, a more of a natural way of, of getting to that process. But, but uh, I'm just trying to remember the, the story. I, 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 it doesn't come to me right now. But there was something that they were going to do, the, the Soviets, to preserve it in almost a mummy kind of way. But they just ended up embalming him. I have to look it up. <laughs> the embalming was probably easier yeah, than of course, of course. Now, now <laughs> you know how they invented embalming, right? How? It, it came out of the Civil War here in the United States. All right, because of... Uh, so many people dying in the United States in the Civil War, they had to do something because they couldn't, you know, get these bodies from these battlefields that were far away and, you know, to get them back home. They invented that process. And uh, that's when embalming started to be done in like, you know, big amounts. Now it happens to pretty much everybody. Unless you're Jewish, then they don't do it. But uh, pretty much everybody gets embalmed today, okay, in the funeral home. But uh, Lincoln, when he died, okay, they took his body on a tour of the country (laughs) on a fucking train, okay? And it it went up and down the East Coast, okay? And... uh, you could it's it made stops in big cities and you could pay your tribute to him and he was totally embalmed and then they buried him and uh i think in the that was in 1865 and then i think in the early 1900s they dug him up for some reason to check something there was a concern about did he i don't know if they wanted to see if he had some kind of disease or something 
I mean, they knew the they knew he was assassinated. There was no doubt about his death, but it was it had yeah. something to do with his health, and they wanted to see his body, and they exhumed it, and they found it to be in perfect condition. Like sixty, like Man. fifty years later, like the embalming was so good that it, the body didn't rot. Because <laughs> even if you had get embalmed, you eventually decompose. Yeah, but I, I think the embalming actually help you from decomposing. No, it doesn't stop right? you. No, but 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 it, it it takes a little longer. But still, this was like fifty years later, and it hadn't changed. So. I don't think any, you know, they don't, even today, I don't think you're going to last 50 years in the ground. No, I think, I think, I think in another few years, I think that whole thing of getting buried, I think it's pretty much going to be out and it's pretty much everybody's going to go with cremation. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not for that process. I, I, I like the idea of having a, a spot that people can go to, you know, I mean, they do that with cremation, I guess. You know, they put you in an urn and then you got a spot somewhere. Yeah. You know, well, you know, there's no room. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, because think, think about it when people suck. Fuck that. I want to be a mummy. Only... Fuck that. I'm going to do that. Mummy, I want to be yeah. mummified. <laughs> I want to be mummified and you can use my coffin as a coffee table. There you go. You get digged in. You get you get dug up. <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? He's mummified. Wrapped up in linen. You know, you know, it's funny with the science thing. They might even bring you back. They might bring you back to life. Hey, I don't know. Maybe. What was it? Uh, didn't they do that with um with Walt Disney? Didn't they freeze him? Yeah, he's in some cryogenic thing, but I think thing. He... And didn't they do that to Ted Williams' head or something like that? Yeah, they cut your head off and they freeze it. What the it. fuck is that? Which is like... <laughs> did they do that to Ted Williams? Not... Yeah, I think Ted Williams, they did do that. Remember, that was a big thing back in the day because someone wanted to get his head cut and then keep him in case there was a way of coming back or it was fucking weird either That's way crazy imagine imagine they figured that out and they put ted williams head on somebody's body yeah you ever seen the well there's that futurama don't they yeah. do that futurama <laughs> oh the best example of that as far as i'm concerned is the thing with two heads Remember oh, that yeah. Movie? <laughs> yeah that was, they put ray ray milan is the scientist he's the old man and they put for the yeah. football player, the black guy, Rosie Greer's head on his body. That was great. <laughs> that was fucking great. <laughs> and that movie also has like a 20-minute motorcycle chase in it for no reason. It's supposed <laughs> to fill some time up. You know? <laughs> oh, I remember that. That oh, was yeah. great. Oh, yeah. it was a fantastic oh, movie. Cheesy as hell. So anyway, that's all I got for you today with the mummies. I hope everybody liked it. Uh, that was fucking fascinating, yeah. dude. <laughs> like all this stuff. <laughs> kind of morbid. What the... It's morbid, but think about the time that these guys had. And these guys would just work on one body for all that time. Imagine you and them. They're just you and that dead person. Now, now, like, I thought it's funny how like the richer you were, you know, the better, the better the process was. So what happened if you were poor? Like you had to go into the hood to get like a fucking mummy. <laughs> they just drop you in the ass. Drop you in the <laughs> throne. 
<laughs> just drink That's it. it. Oh, man. You get this is the budget version. This is the free ninety nine version right here. <laughs> yeah, but what do you think they did to the servants if they took them out? What you think the servants got the same treatment? No, I think they. Um, well, you know, I was when I was watching. You know me, I'm like the method actor of podcast producers. Every time, yeah. every time I get into it, I, I watch a movie or I listen to a couple albums or something related to it. Yeah. So last night I'm watching the '59 version of the mummy with christopher lee as the mummy and they yeah. do the the flashback scene and they show the slaves uh at the princess ananka when she is entombed and christopher lee who's going to be the mummy he gets made into a mummy to protect her because he's caught going into her tomb after she's dead Okay, and it was supposed to be sealed up, but he was like in love with her and he went into the tomb after to just see her or whatever it was. And he gets caught and they turn him into a mummy and he's entombed in there for for eternity. But before that happens, when they show the the, the funeral procedure of Princess Ananka, they they show all her slaves and they're just like. Uh, men and women and they're kind of lined up maybe about a dozen of them right next to the coffin they just cut their fucking heads off <laughs> so they're not getting they're not wow. getting turned into mummies they're just dead right there at the you know at the scene i guess they leave their bodies wow. now i guess like maybe when they open up these tombs they find skeletons or corpses you know something you know yeah probably. in there wow yeah. Yeah, because in the story with the guy with the mummy, wasn't he alive when they did the process of mummifying him? No. Oh, they killed him and then mummified him? Uh, what do they what do they do? They they yeah, they, they don't really yeah, they don't really explain it. They they cut his tongue out. They do that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then they the next thing you know, he's being put He's already mummified, kind of. But yeah, I guess they did. But he was like a lot. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. He was kind of alive being put into that tomb. And then the only way that tomb would open is when you remove the jar off the shelf of the other side of the tomb. Then it opened yeah. up that side, and then the mummy would come out. You know, the, wow. you know, like the sand would drop, and it would open the door, that kind of thing. Yeah, because they had the similar story in um the Mummy with Brandon Fraser. That one was the guy was like having an affair with the princess. Yes, it was similar. It was similar. And they they winded up cutting his tongue. I don't know, kill, but they, for some reason I thought they put him alive, and that's why he he did the spell before. Some, and that's what he came yeah, back. something like that. But they did cut his tongue out. That was like the first torture. They tortured him too. They wasn't just that. Yeah, they, they, terrible. Wow, Mike. So another fascinating episode, man. He went into some detail. <laughs> we even watched the movie, the the Mummy from nineteen fifty-two. Good, good, good research. Nineteen fifty-nine. I love, I love, the, I love the. Uh, I was thinking of the nineteen thirty-two one. It was great call off, but uh, the fifty-nine yeah. with Christopher Lee and and Peter Cushing uh, is is great. I like the costumes. I like the Egyptian 
look of everything. The movie's in color, so you, it's a different kind of movie than the call-off one. Now, the call-off yeah. one has some creepy shit in it, all right, because they knew how to use shadows and everything in those days, and it's a very good film. Not exactly scary, but a couple of creepy parts, but just... Yeah. But it's amazing how they use shadow to scare the shit out of and you. Nobody, and nobody that. could wear a fez like Boris Karloff. All yeah. right. I think Matt I think it I think it matched his head perfectly. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, Mike. Another great job. And this is episode sixty seven. And um what's the next universal creature we talk about? I think about? we're gonna talk about the Wolfman. Oh yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yep. not the Wolfman Jack, but the Wolfman Wolfman. Well, we're gonna have to talk a little bit about American Werewolf in London, one of my favorite werewolf movies. That's a fantastic. You you want to hear something funny about that movie? They did that movie, but you know some of the the guy that did the movie Team Wolf, they were pretty they were pretty much saw the American Werewolf in yeah, London. Yeah, it was it was heard? derivative of that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there was a lot about it, which is amazing how that movie turned into a small fight. If you ever seen Team Wolf, yeah. you had it to the series, and the series was a lot better because it was serious. Yeah, I know. I, I remember watching it a little bit. I'm a fan of the movie, too. But um, the, one of my, you know, what I love about American Werewolf in London, just for a second, we'll talk about it, is that whole transformation scene when yeah. he first changes. No matter how many times I see it, you just get sucked into it. You can't stop watching it. All right. Yeah. And it's one of the best, you know, ever in a horror film as far as effects, I think. And no computer generated, nothing. Okay. Yeah. They didn't have that in 1980, I think it came out, 1980, 81. And amazing. Now, do you remember another movie that's kind of werewolfy called Wolfen? I heard of Wolfen, but I never seen it. Wolfen, uh, Gregory Hines stars in it. Okay. Yeah. And it takes place in New York, in the city. Okay. And there's all these killings, and they think it's a wolf, but it turns out to be more than that. It was a werewolf. Kind of wow. Werewolf. That's a... Yeah. But like more, it was more of them. I'm trying to remember. I think there's like a Native American twist to it. And a very cool movie. And the way they show. The wolf in the way it sees, it's almost like infrared. Okay, like when you oh, see that when you see the thing running around and looking at people, it, it can tell from like your heat. There was a movie like that, didn't Jack Nicholson did like a remake like that called The Wolf or something? That's right. Jack Nicholson did do a werewolf. I think it was just called Wolf. It was called Wolf, but I think it was based on Wolfie. I think it was pretty much like some kind of. <laughs> Model remake. Uh, I gotta, yeah, I forgot about that. Thanks for bringing that up. I gotta, okay, so there's a lot of films to talk about next week with that. And also, I mean, shapeshifters and wolves turning into wolves, there's a lot of cultures that have that. The Native American are big on that. Yeah, we could talk about the chupacabra too. The, the chupacabra. Yeah, but Native Amer a lot of Native Americans have that whole thing with the. The shapeshifter and the werewolf and all that shit that the Indians used to turn into some kind of a four four legged monster. Skinwalkers. Skinwalker, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. They would look like werewolves. Yep, yep. All right, so where can we find you, Rob? 
Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, um, also on Facebook, uh, Potter, and uh, pretty much any social media uh, platform you can pretty you can find me on, and also YouTube. If you like the uh, podcast, go on YouTube, support us, and uh, drop us some lines. And if you're looking for us on YouTube, just look on the Getting Lumped Up channel. Okay, everything yep. is there for you to check out. Going back, you know, it's been two years now. Almost. I can't that. With us, with me and you? I can't believe yeah. that. And a little bit longer with you and John. Wow. I can't believe I can't believe it's been two years. And, and, and it seemed like it's picking up. Uh, you know, it starts slow. It's a slow burn. Like anything else. Some of the best podcasts took years. And then once people pick them up, and it's a slow burn and to the point that this is what we're going to be doing. Yeah, sometimes I'll go back and I'll, I'll look at, or or listen to because we were really just doing audio only back then. Now we now we alternate between audio and video. But uh, yeah. listening to some of those audio ones when we were just starting out, we sound like kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh okay. And somehow we I don't know we matured in the last two years with this barely, you know. The, the thing is that we also sound like with the way that we do the show, it's more of a flow now. It's a much better flow. It's more yeah. If you when we first started to now, it's it's definitely mature, like you and, said. And and so many of those early shows we were doing Sunday morning at the bar drinking Bloody Marys and you were <laughs> you were bartending and, and uh the glasses are clinking and people are talking and <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that was great for a while like that. Yeah. All right. So thank you everybody for listening. And, and what um, do we always say at the end of every show, Mr. Rossi? Don't get drunk. Get lumped up. <laughs>